From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 175, and today I am joined by filmmaker Warren Sonoda, who you might know from many, many episodes of the Trailer Park Boys and Odd Squad, as well as the movie Swearnet, Cooper's Christmas, but he's also got a movie coming out, or that is out right now, that you can watch on VOD, which is called Things I Do for Money. Joining him is his wife and producer and actor, Jen Pogue, who has been in stuff like The Masked Saint, Odd Squad, and many other wonderful things. And as a producer, she's involved with a good friend of ours as well, Naomi Sneakus, and her firecracker department. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so I'm sitting down via quarantine. Um, with you look very good in your quarantine uh, little habitat there, Jeremy Lalonde. Thanks, you guys are doing pretty good too. I can't believe we're all naked. <laughs> it's. It, I wish this podcast was on video because uh, Jen Pogue uh, just finished her um, entire Peloton um, uh, exercises. She's, she's, <laughs> she's looking great. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, I should start a premium version where you can watch the the video part so people can get the full. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Uh, little, well, the, the thing that people don't know with this podcast, with <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing that people don't know with this podcast is everyone's always naked when we do the Zoom calls. Yeah. But, you, would uh, be, you, would, you would be the one to do it because of uh, uh, orgy and sex after kids. Yeah. It's right in line with your brand. I mean, and it's quarantine. Who remembers how to wear clothes anymore? <laughs> the weirdest part is I never ask anyone to do it. They just happen. It's just a coincidence yeah. every time. Yeah, they just show up. We just assume. That would be the best color. Uh, so we are watching level seven, 16. Yes, level 17 is the, <laughs> that is the uh, sequel the to sequel? level 16. Yeah, that we're going to watch right after. The, now, I'll, I'm going to be honest. This is a movie I hadn't heard of until the moment you mentioned it to me. And it oh, sounded. Man. And, you know, I, I feel bad that it's on my black hole list because um, I'm a big fan of uh, Danishka Esther Hazy. And um, I've been wanting to see this. It's just, uh, you know, uh, things just got really weird this year. And, and my movie going ability and Jen's movie going ability. Have we gone to a movie? What was the last movie we went to together? You know, I think we have, I don't know. It, was, it would have been in like February. I was doing like the festival the circuit. Titanic was the last movie we saw together. Yeah, I was doing the festival circuit from January to March. So I saw a ton of movies, all of which are not like, you know, big movies. They're all small right. indie movies. But it's like, it's also movies that who knows when and if they'll ever be released now. Right. right. Because they're all waiting on, you know, distributors to pick them up. Or, or other things, so it's kind of a weird... That sounds, it was a, that sounds like the story of our lives, Jeremy Lalonde. Right? <laughs> but, but things that you... But your uh, your movie, before we start talking about Level 16... No money. 
yeah. things you do for no money uh, <laughs> is going to be by the time this airs, it will be out on tell tell people where all the places they can watch it. It will be on iTunes, Bell, Cineplex, Cineplex, Kajko, um, Rogers, Telus, Shaw, Vimeo, and iTunes. Can you believe I actually remember that all? Yeah, all really. the places. Good for you. And and we're not on video. This is a podcast, but I I, I did not have anything in front of me. Just uh, <laughs> top of my head. Yeah, things I do for money. Um, August eleventh, uh, it came out uh, because this is now in the future, and um, it's available in Canada and all those video platforms. So check that out, people. Yes. But right uh, now um, we're going to watch on level sixteen. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite platforms. Yeah, so for those right. listening, if you want to check out this or any other great Canadian films, CBC yeah. Gem is a really great uh, service that is free to all Canadians with a, that, I think, own TVs or streaming yeah, services. That, that own an internet. Uh, own an internet to, to watch on. So that's how we are watching this film and how you can also watch this film. What made you pick don't, this film? Don't confuse it with CBC Gen. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Which is what my wife makes. Nobody subscribes this. to that channel. I don't know why. <laughs> One person out there is so confused. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's our CBC joke for tonight. Nice. But I don't know it's 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 a great it's it's a great platform. There's so many great movies on it, great TV series, and um, yep, free to Canadians. And what made you pick? Outside of just uh, you know it being a Canadian film, was there is there something in particular with this film that made you want to narrow it down to this one? Well, uh, Jen and I, one of our go tos uh, is Handmaid's Tale. Was Handmaid's Tale? I mean, they're they're going back to finish uh, the new season right now in um, in Toronto as we restart the industry in Canada. Uh, but Jen, you got me on Handmaid's Tale, and this is sort of the um, this is sort of the uh, you know, a uh, dystopian future, um, uh, I guess, teen version of that. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Yes. And, and, and Denishka's amazing. She um, followed it up with the, um, uh, she just did a, a the film for Blue Ice um, on sci-fi. She, a Vagrant Queen TV show uh, and a whole bunch of other uh, amazing projects. So um, she's definitely a, a director to um, just, just, kind of embrace and take a look at her work. And this is, this was her big sort of, uh, breaking out. Yeah. Breakout. hit. Cool. Nice. So I know nothing about this film outside of what, good. outside of what you've spoiled for me already. Yes. I don't, yeah. I don't want to say too much. No, it's okay. I, I assume dystopian, uh, level 16 doesn't sound like a family drama. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like you, you got to get through, 15 levels of stuff to get to that. So we'll see. One would hope so. Yes. Or you're just down a level. That's what I'm, I'm assuming level 16 is one of two things. It's either like it's these people, these teenagers that are stuck in this building on that level. And they're known as like the level 16ers or I forgot what my other idea was. It was probably like a Mario Kart reference uh, to level up or, you know, yeah. Or they're at, or they're at like, Jen, they found us. Or they're at level sixteen of quarantine, or whatever it is. Warren. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Yes, and it and it stars uh, the wonderful Katie Douglas, who I work with on a aircraft picture show called um, Raising uh, Expectations. Raising Raising Expectations. Nice. She was phenomenal, and and she stars in the movie. I want to see, I want to see what she does. 
Exciting. It's always fun when you get to watch actors that you've worked with, uh, work with other people you know, and just see kind of how they jam together. Yeah, and it's kind of like when I see your films and, you know, when you did Go-Getters and I saw it, you know, up close and personal and I saw all the bits and pieces that you put on the screen uh, with familiar uh, faces and other parts of uh, <laughs> like uh, Tony Napo. Yeah. Um, it really... You know, it is. It's really interesting as a as a director and you know, Jen's a producer to see other people's work that way through that through the perspective. Yeah, and to see how they see and they work with different actors and whatnot. Well, that said, I think that's a good jumping off point. Let's jump into level sixteen. Yes, let's do it. Gotta go get my popcorn. Press play on the CBC gem. Let's all go to the lobby. Okay, so we just finished level, level 16. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We got all the way to level 16. So level 16 is more like a hierarchy rating of some, not a hierarchy, it's just more like a graduation of steps you must take uh, to. Here's the thing spoiler alert up and down. Uh, watch the film on CBC Gem. Yes. Uh, and then come yeah, back and listen to the rest of this because we have to get into some stuff to, uh, <laughs> to talk about this film properly. Before we, we start, you wanted to mention uh, you, we, there's, some, there's a history with the filmmaker that. Oh, Danishka Esther Hazy. Yeah, she, um, she had a great film at the Canadian Film Fest called Asian G. What year was uh, that? It's like a Hansel and Gretel type short, right? It was. No, it was a feature, a full feature. Oh, uh, right, 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 right. 2011? Uh, no, uh, 13. Um, and, um, level 16 was her follow-up, but, um, even with Hansel and Gretel, you, or H and G, you can kind of see the themes of, you know, friendship and, um, female bonding and, and figuring out relationships. Um, and, um, you know, level 16 is all about that and betrayal and, you know, secrets Ooh. all the seeds are there yeah. uh so we we get so what we're getting here and until so you've caught up you went back you paused this episode you watched the film uh and and you've worked with katie ford and you were you were testing me about how much you loved her performance uh katie katie douglas katie douglas i'm so sorry yeah no katie douglas uh wow great performance yeah she's awesome she uh what did you think huh? she uh she captivated me i was captivated you know, the, there's, um, you know, there's, there's actors that we work with and then there's, there's sort of star turns and she's just incredibly, um, uh, yeah, you're, she's captivating in this. I, I, I loved her performance. I loved the choices she made. Um, she didn't have to do a lot to keep it organic and interesting. And I thought, I thought, uh, uh Danishka was very smart to build the whole movie sort of, around her and her uh, um, sort of relationship um, with uh, uh, the other girls and, mm-hmm. you know, what was, what was going on in the levels. In her art. Yeah. It was nice seeing Sarah Canning playing a villain. I didn't even recognize her. Yeah, it took me a beat. That's because yeah. she had someone else's face. I, I, <laughs> spoiler. Spoiler. No, spoiler. We gave the spoiler warning. Yes. <laughs> this movie's about taking people's faces. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, this whole, the, the entire spirit of uh, Black Hole Films is to find a movie that 
is not in your, you know, your, your, um, radar on your radar and watch it and then talk about it. Right. So yeah, your entire black hole films are spoilers. That's right. I mean, most people should know that by now. I don't understand when people, I've, I've, nobody has ever given me crap for, for spoiling anything. So I'm going to just go, I'm just going to assume that people that listen to this check out the movie before or don't care to, if things are spoiled. Some people don't care if things are spoiled. Yeah. But I mean, I, I hope, you know, I, I hope people do check it out, especially in Canada since uh, you can literally go on CBC gem uh, for free and it's free and, and, and watch level 16. And um, yeah, I mean, Handmaid's Tale, right? I think that's a pretty great comparative. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think if you are a genre fan, there's there's something in this for you. It's really, I mean, there's always, I like dystopian type things. And this isn't, I mean, once you get further through, you realize it's not a dystopian, it, it's a faux dystopian movie, mm-hmm. if the girls are are told. So let me get this straight about these girls. So they are not, they're not kidnapped, but they're like told that the, air is toxic and that living in this facility will keep them alive. But it's like, are these kids volunteering from like orphanages? Well, at the end, the doctor says something about how their parents sold them to him. So the parents are the real villains. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I think, I I mean, again, you can go back to H and G and what uh, Danuska was doing uh, in sort of thematically, but um, I got the sense that, the girls in this facility worked their way up from like level, you know, three, four, five. Like it, it felt like they've been there for a while, or else they would remember life before. Life before. Well, they mentioned there's that one scene, but halfway through the movie with Sarah Canning and the doctor, they're out of reach. He's yeah, like, well, they, that's I'm at thirteen or something. They start talking. Well, how? No, they start giving you hints of the backstory and they're they're kind of complaining about the bureaucracy of their job and it's mm-hmm. like well if we if i told you we should have done this and we should and they're, they're making us cut corners it's <laughs> like oh well the nice thing was about that scene i will say it kind of let me go okay about a lot of questions i had like if these girls are be- because at that point i'm like these girls are going to be harvested for something i don't mm-hmm. know if this is going to turn into the island mm-hmm. uh, again yeah. spoiler alert but it's like there's something like there's you know just that with when we see the uh, that scene with uh, Sheila and um, and the guy, yes, like, clearly they're like they're buying her for some reason that the the woman's not entirely comfortable with, but not uncomfortable with. Um, and so it's like it's it's you know bad things are gonna happen to these girls, but it made me just go, why are they not just knocked out all the time and just like kept in like the Matrix, like the way that those pods are in the Matrix, where they're just right. basically in embryonic fluid. Because all they need is pure, clean skin. Mm-hmm. And they kind of mentioned that they basically don't have the money to do that in the facility. Well, <laughs> Which I appreciated. I mean, Outer Bridge did say, you know, their, their skins haven't been touched by the sun. There's no, you know... Um, but they were... That's a lie, though. Because at one point, they were out in the real world. When? Then they said... That, I mean, the parents sold them. So at one point, they had parents, right? The yeah. parents sold them when they were babies? I think babies. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they remember or else they were drugged or, you know. It's yeah, a black market type like, thing. You don't have to get children anymore. We can start them at 13 or something like that. So. Right. So that's why I think these ones are babies. But And, and really it's, you know, regardless of how long they were there, it's, it's about, you know, um, uh, 
Katie and um, uh, Selena. Well, he like, did say at one point that he was invested like, with 15, 16 years in that face before she destroys and starts cutting her face uh, up. Yeah. And she's 16. Sorry, we're hung up on this timeline, Warren. Yeah, no, but <laughs> I think it's just more about, um, you know, um, when Vivian sort of um, forgives her friend and they start really putting the pieces together, um, you know, to, 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 to rally everybody and to, and to make them, it is, it is that matrix moment where it's red, red pill, blue pill. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I also love the idea, you know, you know, Jeremy and, and Jen, yes. the, the sort of the, the plight of the Canadian filmmaker having to make that sort of one location film. I said that. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Danishka was very inventive in the way she uh, sort of handled the different levels and everything. It, it felt like there was a whole environment that I wasn't like, I couldn't see, but I knew it was there because of the, the levels that she created. Although we speculate it's a two location film. Well, part of it is uh, the cotton factory in, in Hamilton, the yeah. exteriors. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, they open the world up a little bit. Yeah. And it becomes less claustrophobic. Yeah. Which, which is a nice tie-in to things that did for money because mm-hmm. we shot uh, in the exact same location she shot her, you know, where, where they kind of go out and, and um, um, the uh, end barricade then? themselves in. We were in the exact same alleyway. Uh, and it's, it's other, Yeah, that's another crazy deep. thing what, what, when you watch Canadian films and you see like uh, Joey Klein's new latest film, uh, I, uh, he shot in Sudbury as well. And we shot in the same, this one location, the same one. I know exactly the one. It's the Italian, is it the big facility with all the different, they shot oh. Born Blue there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Born Blue shot in there as well. It was it was, Italian uh, union workers hall or something at one point. Maybe, but now it's like a weird, there's a, like a club in the basement. It's, yeah. and there's apartments upstairs. It's the weirdest building. Right. And so Joey used it for like apartment buildings in the film. And we used it for uh, Daniel Stern's hideout in uh, right. James versus future self. Right. And just filled it full and filled like the gymnasium type room, just full of clutter. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just interesting going, Oh, and there's one shot. That's almost like the exact same shot where like, he's coming in the main entrance. Like, Oh my God, that's, we color corrected it differently, but right. that's the <laughs> same, uh, the same thing or color time that I should say. Uh, but yeah, but, but back to this film, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, I mean, the challenges with these kind of films are always world building. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you create a film, I mean, so this is my, this is my hats off to her. Cause whenever you create a film like this in a genre like this, that's been, you know, walked over and people have done it, you are opening yourself up to endless scrutiny by genre nerds. We're just sitting back, just wanting to just rip it apart. Uh, and I think for the most part, it does a really good job of checking off the, the, those things uh, yes. and, and, and explaining why it's this way. And I like that whole bureaucracy thing and explaining that it's like, we're working on a budget here and they're, and they're, but because that, that answers a lot of the questions that, that one would have. Well, obviously some sort of Eastern European uh, sort of Soviet style black market, yeah. Um, um, facility somewhere where you can do things like this medically. Um, uh, and I don't think wherever they are, they're operating on the up and up legality. 
no, no, no way. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. They, they're not allowed to do it legally, but they, they exist and people, sure. don't, they don't call in on like this, oh, there's a weird facility here where... No, and there's references that there's somewhere else, like the, uh, the, the, the couple that comes to inspect the face they want to buy says they came a long way yes. and the guards don't speak English. Yes. Uh, so it's like, you're either like, well, either they brought the guards in or they are, are there somewhere else. Yes. Um, and so that all works really, really nicely. Uh, we both, we were texting, this killed me. I, I, I gotta say it. The sunglasses and the guards in the dark rooms. <laughs> it could the be. The they didn't see the girls running around. It, right? Very hard yeah. reference. It could I be. don't know. The only reason that's in there is because someone thought it looked cool. But it's like, come <laughs> on, like, give, that's, Filmmakers, don't do shit like that. Don't do stuff just because it looks cool on camera. Because everyone in the audience... Please tell Jeremy why you made the choice putting sunglasses on at night. With I was hoping they would turn out to be Terminators. And then I could just see that it's like, oh, the, the, the sunglasses are irrelevant because they have these eyes that can see uh, in, you know, in the dark. And in which case, sure. Then sunglasses well, I think, are fine. I think also it's part of the foreboding atmosphere that she was trying to create i mean yeah but there's other ways to do that yeah. I, anyway that's i'm gonna no i gotta i gotta call that out because that's just ridiculous <laughs> you know it could be a fashion thing that All she's right. trying to bring okay you keep defending <laughs> okay. don't don't defend that that's a weird <laughs> choice that was made for aesthetic reasons and not not I logic texting about it and i yelled i'm like why is he wearing sunglasses <laughs> he's gonna be terrible at his job his only job is to make sure the little girls aren't running around at night yeah and he's wearing something that impairs <laughs> His vision <laughs> at night. If that's the worst thing, then that's pretty good. Uh, in it's terms true. of the science fiction, um, uh, sort of looking at it through the uh, perspective of, you know, world building. What what I really loved was how, you know, I think Danishka's fascination with um, sort of old films and naming the girls after old film stars. Yeah, it was fun. Ava... Um, you know, uh, Vivian, uh, Lee. Vivian Lee, um, uh, Rita Hayworth. I, I, I thought that was a nice sort of texture to the whole thing. Cause when you first hear the girls' names, you're like, well, that's weird. You know, you, you don't think of Sophia Loren, but you start putting it together and then Rita. obviously seeing how they're being taught their lessons. Um, yeah. Well, isn't that, that name bringing that up too, that there's like, they're all being trained to be docile, to be good little, like, 1950s yes and i guess the one thing i wish the film went a little further into because i thought it was really starting to like get into something about because that's the one thing is when you're when you're doing something like this it was science fiction in particular it's like you know the, the only reason to do something like this is to really make a statement right it's one thing to have like a really great concept which this film does have and it's unique i haven't seen like the harvested skin face movie yet so points out for that what I, I was hoping I think it would go a little step further with. And so when Denise makes her next movie, it's like, you know, really go into the themes and explore those kind of things because you're really, really close here. And I was hoping it would take that idea because it's really, it's dancing around a lot of great stuff. It's, it's talking about like, you know, using those old films and the way this guy trains these women to be docile and be perfect. And they're talking about skin that's being designed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it's really close to getting into a metaphor we're supposed to walk away with, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit it hard enough in a way that I can walk away with. But I'm like, she's dancing around some really, really cool stuff. Do you think it's because it, uh, so much of the film was used 
to set up the world and not enough at the end to explore the, the whys instead of the hows? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to do it. There's ways to do it just inside the storytelling itself. If you if you don't want to get into a whole extra like epilogue that kind of gets into that. Uh, I mean, they could use Sarah Canning's character to kind of like delve into that because it when it's revealed that she's had the surgery herself or she was a, a test subject. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. And it's not uncommon for low budget sci-fi. It's like they, you know, the filmmakers get really caught up in, in, in world building and, and these other things, and they don't necessarily push as hard on theme. And, and that's, and that's my vice. And that's my thing that I, uh, that I always, that, that separates like a really good sci-fi movie, which I think this is from like the really great ones that really stick with you. And I think, but it's like, clearly it's like from, you know, cause I saw H and G at, at CFF as well. And I think like you could, like, as you were saying in the but intro, you were, the, you, you were there. <laughs> I was there. I was like, well, I was the guy. Afternoon screening, I think on a Saturday. And uh, it was, it was great. It was great to see with an audience for sure. Um, and, and so I think like you can see the progression and, uh, and where she's going. And so it's just like, and that would be, if she listens to this episode, uh, I would just say you're really dancing in some cool. And here's the game. I'm cis white male talking about a film about women's beauty and standards and whatnot. So also tell me to shut up if you choose to, and I will accept that. But it's just, I think you're really, really moving in a cool path with your storytelling and keep going and keep pushing it and keep delving further. Cause that's what we're all doing. I mean, if I go back and I start studying my old films, I will criticize the hell out of myself too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that this could be sponsored by Botox with like the slogan, like, Hey, Botox, it's, uh, not, it's nothing compared to this. So right. just go for Botox. <laughs> how did you, how did you feel, uh, as the movie progressed, Jen, in terms of, um, um, seeing the themes of, uh, not just beauty, but of, uh, you know, extension and, you know, the, the lengths of what people are going to. Yeah. I thought it, it was, a uh, well executed in that capacity, like, and kind of even more creepy and terrifying because it somewhat parallels what does happen in the real world when it comes to beauty standards. So yeah, um, I think that you can go there and create a great discussion from it for sure. Which girl's face did you want to buy? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Peter Outerbridge, you know, right. I he was um, a very, um, I was like, Sheila man. McCarthy, don't you change girl. Right. Um, yeah. It's great to see Sheila. I mean, I, I, what I loved was just Katie Douglas is so great in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I what uh, Danishka was able to do um, in the film and et cetera. I mean, after that, she did the Banana Splits movie. That was the, the, the movie with Blue Ice, which led to Vagrant Queen. Um, she did a Lorena Bobbitt um, biopic. Um, are you her manager? No, I mean, she's uh, like, I, she's doing stuff. Yeah. I was checking out her filmography too, just to catch up on it. It's like this, this movie did its job. Really introduced her to the world of, um, genre filmmaking. Uh, you know, the way H and G was, was, was a parable was a, was a, you know, um, uh, a, a dramatic, um, coming of age film. This one really kind of got her into this um, sort of wonderful storytelling space of um, 
science fiction and I, I'm, I'm excited for her. I think, I think uh, she's incredibly talented. That's just it. And I think what, what we, we're seeing here is something that is also like absent of more filmmakers than it should be is just like having a real voice and having like a, a view on how they see the world. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the best filmmakers are ones that when you see something of theirs, you can go, Oh, this comes from them. Like this is, the, this is definitely taps into their point of view and how they see the world. Yes. Probably. Yeah. This ticks out that box off nicely. Yeah. Uh, Funny. It has that Hamilton connection. So that connects back to, to, to your film. Yeah, I mean, things I do for money is Hamilton as Hamilton, uh, as opposed to Hamilton as uh, some Eastern... As as black market Eastern European, yeah. Um, But still sort of an underground underground crime world. Um, (laughs) Go playing uh, gangster grandmothers and grandfathers and a wonderful bingo caller. um, (laughs) Bingo Bingo Bob. Bingo Bob. How was she? You guys got to screen the movie at a drive-in. How was that? Yeah, that was the last movie we saw. That's right. That was. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was just a couple of weeks ago at the drive-in theater, just at the Starlight Drive-in in, in, in Hamilton, yeah. just outside of Hamilton. Um, and uh, you know, it's not. I, I guess it's not the most ideal place for a filmmaker to see their film on the big screen for the first time. Necessarily, I've never seen a movie of mine in the drive-in, and I yeah. would love to go. Well, like the the. Pictures compromise the audio yeah. a little compromise. That being said, the energy was there, maybe yeah. even more so than it would have been. Like so many, it was the honking was incredible. All the people showed up; it was awesome. Yeah, you go to uh, driving for the communal yeah. aspect of seeing it with uh, uh, a bunch of people, especially now in COVID, right, man? Yeah. Like we haven't been able to go see a movie, even our our like. When, when you did James and uh, versus Future Self, I was all ready, you know, um, to, to go out and see it. There, so many of us had films on the docket to be released and we just weren't able to do it. So the drive-ins, it's such a 2020 thing, you know, who would have yeah. thought? Yeah, I know. It, and it, well, it, it, there's so many people doing cool things like Sean Sesterner just did a screening at a winery for that the movie. Awesome. I wish yeah. I knew about that. Like, uh, I, got, I got lucky in that we, we played to like a sold out crowd at Toronto after dark back yeah. last fall. So I felt like at least we had a great Toronto screening at some point. Yeah. Like it kind of like mentally ticked that off my box. For us, it was Whistler film festival. And I was so yeah. glad, you know, in hindsight that so many of our cast and crew were able to fly out and be there. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Max and Theo, the two brothers who star in Th- things do for money and also play all the chilling music. They've, they've never been in a film before, and which means they've never been on a red carpet, they've never been interviewed, they've never sat in a movie theater and heard applause for the stuff that they did. So it was just really nice to be able to do that before COVID shut everything down. But yeah. like, we were supposed to release in nine cities on April 8th. Yeah, and ours, was, ours was similar. March just stopped everything, so. Yeah. We, we spent the beginning of that week what we call it covid week the beginning of the week inviting everybody to our toronto screening and the end of the week canceling <laughs> going oh by the way not so fast don't buy your tickets just yet well tight yeah maybe later but well that's just it and it's tough but eventually you just got to decide to make a choice to like do we embrace the world where the world is right now or because we just don't oh, know we just, how we just want people to see the movie now right yeah. we just want to get to the point where 
people can uh, go on iTunes or whatever cable provider they are and and and, and rent or, or buy it. I mean, with Level 16, I knew about it on the festival circuit. Mm. Um, it's just I was never able to get to one of the screenings. So, you know. Uh, Where did I, it play? I, I hope, um, I just hope it finds its audience on CBC Gem and people just uh, go out and watch it. Uh, because you, you it, it's really interesting to see a filmmaker put out something that's new that suddenly takes their career into a different, into, into a different course. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. It's like so many of our, uh, it's, it's just hard. I mean, our films, sadly, they, you know, if that, when they get into the cinemas and the cinemas are open, they're there for a week or two. And if you're not available that week or two, yeah. uh, it, we sadly miss them. So it's really nice that we have, you know, things like CBC gem yeah. and all these other streaming services that it's uh, it's possible to check these movies out if you miss them the first time around. I saw a Cooper's camera was on. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was on Crave or something or, or Super Channel and uh, in July. And I'm like, oh, that's uh, interesting counter programming. <laughs> that's fun. I will, here, here's a hot tip for people who uh, don't know where to find a movie online. There's mm-hmm. this great website called Just Watch. Okay. That if you type in any movie or TV series, it will tell you where it's available for streaming, for uh, buying and rental. Yeah, and and it has like all of the streaming services. It's got like Hollywood Suites. It's got Hulu. It's got Gem. Like it tells you. See, it has CTV on there. Like it, it's pretty on point. And I've been able to find a lot of stuff that I didn't think I'd be able to find. That just watch Justwatch.com. Just watch that. It could be that CA, but you can, it's one of those sites that I think it has a bunch of portals in a bunch of different countries. And so you just tell it where you, where you live and it'll tell you where it's available for you to either rent, purchase or stream it. That's if you have, if you have that streaming service, it's great. Since I don't, I randomly came across it and it, I use it probably on a, if not daily basis, several times a week. It's also the slogan for DGC BC. Just watch us. Mm. Just watch us, Canadian filmmakers. Just watch yeah, us. We're there. You forget it now. Nope. Yeah. We make stuff. That's you. Just watch us. All right. So one more time. Where is your film available? So uh, you, get, so you got it again? Is it memorized? You still yes. got it? Things I do for money. Uh, by the time you're hearing this podcast uh, with uh, Jeremy Lawn, Jen Pogue, and myself, Warren Sonoda, will be on uh, digitally in Canada. Uh, iTunes, iTunes, Bell, Kodjko, Cineplex, um, Shaw, Rogers, uh, Vimeo, and Bell. You said, Did I say you Bell? said that already. Well, there was That's okay. I say it twice. Yes. Um, it's better to say it twice than this. It. It's basically on all the cable providers uh, as video on demand. So you can just kind of click <laughs> on your little converter and figure out how to get to that sort of uh, rental slash purchase place or yeah. iTunes or Vimeo or Cineplex. A lot of people and, are actually buying and renting films on Cineplex. Nice. And because it's got such a great score by uh, by the brothers, are you guys putting that up on Spotify or anything? It will. Uh, the score will be released later on, probably in the fall. Okay. Um, and it will coincide with the physical DVD release that we're putting together. Nice. Uh, but, but really, um, we wanted to at least try to get the film out while people are still home, you know, and, and wanting to watch something. I mean, knock on wood, the restart and the reopening, uh, not just in the film industry, but across Canada and all sectors in general, will 
continue and we'll be all going back to work and um, um, but there's still a, a chance for people to you know watch these films on, yeah. on and, and hopefully um, uh, we find that audience indeed yeah. watch the movie mm-hmm. well thank you for- know, it, it, you know that's the thing it's like watching level 16 is was really interesting for me because I you know you can't help as a filmmaker to see what other filmmakers did in their films to accomplish what you can only imagine was a hard schedule, you know, um, so many different, um, uh, actors that you had to figure out how you're going to schedule it all when you're going to turn over like Lily level to Rose level, you know, that kind of stuff. Which boys get creative. Yeah. It just remind, it reminded me of how, um, daunting a task things to do for money was with like 35 locations and 50 some odd speaking parts and 144 background players and six cello performances and five action sequences. And you have like 13 days to shoot it in. So it's insane to me what you guys did in 13 days in that movie. It's, it, it, it's, it's very impressive. It's very, but that's just it. You got to do that. Right. It's like, you've got to, Cause you never, cause here's the thing. It's like the one thing that it's nice that you say that and you like, you know, you look at these Canadian films and you're like, and you're able to see, you know, behind the scenes and what they had to put up with and deal with. But the reality is, is that even the people, even the reviewers that live in our country that know us as filmmakers, they don't grade us on a curve. You know, they compare. No, us that's up not against, job, though. I mean, I, uh, if you're, no, if, but that's just it. It's just like, so it's nice whenever like a film, cause you never want to, show your film with an excuse and say, Hey, keep in mind, we only shot in 13 days because no one gives a shit. Yeah. You know, they're impressed when they find that out, but that doesn't matter to people. They want to see that it's a story that moves and engages them. And I think that's, what's great about a movie like yours is like, it has all those things and has all those sequences and it's like, and it builds and it moves along. It's got tons of characters, tons of great action sequences, tons of locations. And, and then really, you know, it was done in 13 days. It blows your mind. I, yeah. I kind of did what Danishka did was um, just centered around Max and Theo Aoki as, as sort of the pivot that everything else kind of filters through the way that she used Katie Douglas as her um, um, mechanism to tell her narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's what you do when you're making, you know, your, your sort of passion project, low budget film is you cast well and you really center the film around that central performance. And, um, you know, while we were watching it, I was turning to Jen. I'm like, wow, Katie's really, really good in this. You should be smart about, you gotta be, you gotta use, this is what I say to emerging filmmakers too. I'm like, you gotta use the resources you have and, and, and show them off in ways that are, are pluses and as, and, and just take it and make, make, make the best out of what you can and what you've got and the resources you've got, whether it's a location or this great actor a cool car, whatever it is, like add production value by the things you have. Right. Uh, and, and not, and, and forget about the things you don't have. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you getting Daniel Stern, it's like lean into that, that, and just the, the con the concept behind James versus his future self sells the movie, you know, like I, I think, um, you know, you, it, it, it's tough. You either, have that sort of really strong central concept that is the film um, or you, you strike lightning in a bottle and you get the casting that's just perfect for it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And for for something like things I do for money, I knew that a crime film is a crime film is a crime film. Mm. But you've never seen a crime film with two Japanese Canadian cello playing brothers from Hamilton, you know. So that's what we really leaned into. Yeah, that's what makes it unique and exciting. Yeah. So everyone go and and on one of those many services that Warren mentioned and mm-hmm. check out things they do for money. Yes, thank you, Jeremy, and keep listening to Black Hole Films on that shelf. Thank you, buddy. Uh, well, thanks, thanks for taking. Is there, an actual, is there an actual shelf for that shelf? There's an actual. I have many shelves in my uh, in my screening room. Phil, what's Phil, the, Phil, I, I always meant to ask you, what's the story behind that shelf? Oh, that's not my site or anything. That's that's um, formerly used to be. Uh, what was their old site? But they're just a really great uh, news site that's based in Canada that uh, reports on uh, kind of nerdy news and news all over the place. But they just approached me because they were looking to add some podcasts to their their site, and uh, so it seemed like the right partnership because they they traffic traffic in like nerd news, right? Cool. Uh, and nerdy stuff. And you always and, find that on that shelf. You do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's thanks, nice to Jeremy. See you. Thanks for having us. You do. Thanks for joining us for Level 16. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.